0: hey i'm sadie
1: and i'm zamie and this is i ain't got time to read a podcast for color folks who have considered doing the readings but the time in the day wasn't enough this season we'll discuss the book black food matters racial justice in the wake of food justice edited by hannah garth and Ashante m reese
0: Chapter 1, In the Food Justice World, But Not Of It, Everyday Black Food Entrepreneurship. Ashante M. Reese. This chapter discusses how food systems do not operate independently from other systemic forms of racism, such as redlining, economic disparities, and environmental racism. Black food entrepreneurship is a way to address structural food violence, especially in urban areas. It delves into the backstory of Danny, an entrepreneur who turned an ice cream truck into a food truck to offer access to his community located in a food desert. It also highlights the story of a food delivery service owner, Derek, who increases accessibility by delivering to areas that larger white owned corporations refuse to. Rather than wait for systemic change, many black entrepreneurs are getting creative and paving a new way for local food systems.
1: So first couple of questions. What areas do you live in? Think about how many grocery stores are available to you. How many restaurants are available in your area? Well, I live, like, pretty close to downtown. I think it's really safe to say I live downtown. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have pretty, I live in proximity to grocery stores.
2: Um, what what state and city do you live in? I live in Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah, and I was like, back in downtown. Um. Yeah, there's tons of grocery stores in proximity, um, a lot of restaurants, a lot of chain restaurants, a lot of, um, like, mom-and-pop local restaurants. I, I'm actually, like, less than, definitely less than 10 minutes away from, my like but probably more, like, mm. 6 or 7. There's that, but with that um, uh, you know, high price points for stuff unless you go to the small like, Mom and pop type restaurants. Okay. How about you? Yeah. Where you live? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I live in currently live in Stuttgart, Germany. Um I also I live in Stuttgart West, which is um a borough of the city and it's the densest borough population wise. Cool. Stuttgart is one of the most expensive cities in all of Germany because it houses
0: um the headquarters for mercedes-benz porsche and a lot of, a lot of other you know major manufacturing and industry companies
2: um so where i live since it is so densely populated i'm very privileged to have access to several different grocery stores um there's one two-block walking distance i have access to a couple different cultural stores since i'm in what is called the cultural district um, and then there's also a large variety of restaurants available as well that are really diverse. So I'm, I'm definitely in uh, a very accessible area food-wise. Yeah, yeah accessible. like Accessible and like privileged to sit down and have probably both of Absolutely. Yeah, okay. I right. agree. What are the identified racial groups in your area? Um, people,
1: like, there is still tour so it's hard to really say who's here here and who's just here like short term on vacation.
2: Mm-hmm. but
1: um because
2: this is like downtown, definitely um on this island in general, I think the majority population is um, Asian folk, and then right after that it's white folk, and right after that it well, right after that but after that is um Pacific Islander folk and then um, get into really small, like, percentages of, like, Black people. Black people are only 2 to 4% of the population. Um, like, non-Black, Latino people are smaller. Um, so I think for the most part, there's lots of um, Asian folk, Pacific Islanders. And I feel like I see Black people more frequently than 2 to 4% of the time, probably mm. because the i live live. Definitely, lots of white folks, but i would say probably majority Asian, and then. Pacific okay. Yeah. You? Do you? I was just gonna ask. Do you think you see a lot of black folks? because you specifically seek them out for um, community? I, I actually don't. I think. Uh, oh. I think it has to do with where I live. Hmm. Um, when I see as many black people as I do, I'm like, Are we sure we're only two to four percent? <laughs> All the time, which is dope. Yeah. But um, yeah, when I go to different towns or like outside of the city, it's like, Oh yeah, for sure. Gotcha. But I definitely sure. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, for me, my experience with actually seeing other groups of people is very, very limited. It's only when I like go on walks outside in downtown. Um, the area where I live, I would say it's majority German and that's, you know, European white. Um, I, I would say that's 70, 80% easy. And then there's a lot of, uh, Turkish people here.
1: Um,
2: and then there, are, I definitely see, um, some Asians here. I know I have neighbors that are Asian and there's um, I think there's two Asian stores within like a three block radius of me and three Asian restaurants you know different places not new or specific so I think that's another one that's pretty present and then I just I don't honestly see a lot of people so I don't I can't even say like what really is the makeup at this point yeah, mm. yeah. Because of the pandemic, right? Because of the pandemic, because I moved in the middle of the pandemic and Germany is very strict on our lockdowns. So there has not been a lot of uh, mingling or finding different, you know, communities. So when you do see other people though, like, does it super stand out when you see non German white people? I mean, sorry. Yeah, like basically when you see people outside of. No. Oh, when I don't see like white people that are German. Right. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I definitely always make sure to try to look at them and smile, especially if I see oh. black people, um, but they yeah. don't do the American black people thing. Oh, when I see potentially black people, majority African people, because
0: um, with black people, you know, there's like the nod. They always like we always do the eye connection and we always like smile or nod at each other. But when I've tried to do that with <laughs>
2: Germans, that are African, you know, like that's just not there. Like I'm just like, oh, <laughs> hi, okay, no, no, okay, never mind. I wasn't trying to say hi. Yeah, so it's a little different. It's a little different. Yeah. I have some time you too, I'm trying to like make eye contact, smile. Yeah. Like, nope, you keep walking. Not today. Yeah. Oh. You know what? I kind of understand that, like in pandemic time, like people are just not, they're not here for it, but. I also feel like people should be longing. People should be extra <laughs> longing. They're like, we want to make connections. We want to reach out to other people. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, they're just missing a connection. Yeah, exactly. They're lost. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I looked at the statistics for like what the largest groups of foreign residents and the nationalities, like the top for um, are Turkey, Croatia, Italy, and Greece. So, ah, yeah. It's all, it's all very much, you know, uh, connecting countries. Well, I mean, Greece is at that point, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you live in close proximity to Whole Foods or other high end grocers? If so, is there a correlation between gentrification or a history of redlining in your neighborhood? Um, I definitely live in proximity to home. And I'd be like, that's something I actually looked up when I was looking at this apartment, how I was to Yeah, actually, downtown, I mean, not downtown. Well, actually, the one in, in downtown is a really extravagant home. Food. Um, and definitely before I had a car when I was here, it was like my outing for the week. I would love, mm-hmm. I love, 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 to go into Whole Foods. Mm-hmm.
0: It was really
2: important to me to be, uh, close to a Whole Foods, um, because it was familiar and then it reminded me of something like to look forward to. Um, but I didn't really take in the um, effects that it also had on the area. Not, it also mm-hmm. has beneficial effects. But um, Mm -hmm. Whole Foods are definitely in an area that um, is—it's actually super close to Waikiki. But the particular area it's in, um, in the last ten years, has been like heavily um, gentrified, and the folks have the structures and community that existed before have definitely been pushed out. And you have all these like, you know, metropolitan uh, eateries and hotels. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah, like, stuff that leads right into um, the Waikiki area. So it is nice. It's a nice place to even if you just want to walk around the area on a Saturday night.
0: Because
2: mm-hmm. you kind of walk to end up in Waikiki. Um, it's definitely fun and nice if you just, like, it's, like, ready-made entertainment. But it definitely has a history of um, justification and pushing folks out and raising up the, the cost of living. So there's definitely that history. Mhm. How about you? Yeah. Um so there's not whole food here in Germany. Um which I'm okay with. But there are like German high-end grocery stores. Um there I know there's I would say the difference between high-end grocery stores here and in the states, I think for you know, the hiring grocery stores is all-encompassing. They have you know every single different type of food, all different types of wine, and things like that. Whereas here in Germany, what I've seen personally is specialty stores are like we make these specific spreads, and we have some cheeses, or we specialize in cuts of meat, or we only specialize in wines. Like it's it's more of a niche. It's not like an all encompassing, um, but similar to what, yeah, you were saying when I moved into my place, I specifically, I researched, um, what grocery stores were close by, make sure that I had access to walk to a a grocery store that's in walking distance. And then I also, um, researched like the zero waste or bulk food stores, um, so that I could, and those are, those are more expensive. Those are, you know, the specialty type of places. Or those can be more expensive depending on what you're buying and so i also made sure that i was within walking distance of a zero waste store as well so i did go out of my way to make sure i was in a place where i could get to the um products that i wanted to buy so yeah would you say like uh you know back when in the moment, mm. did you have these like options or did you Were you able to like to your place take these things into account, or was it like how would you you take these things into account? Well, when I was in Oklahoma, I definitely just shopped at. I shopped at Walmart the most because it was the cheapest. It was the most affordable place to shop at. Um, I would occasionally go to a Target just because I was located. Closer to a target, but that was usually when I was like scanning their catalogs every week, seeing if they had sales. Um, like it wasn't the place where I was like, I will buy all my groceries here. Um, yeah. So I definitely, I just was going to the cheapest place I could get food because at that point, you know, my salary was, um, Oklahoma salary was rough just starting out. Yeah, Yeah. Compared to when I lived in Portland though, so my first my first location in a suburb of Portland, Oregon, I also was going to all the cheapest um, grocery stores I could. And I was scanning catalogs every week and I would go to three different grocery stores just to get the cheapest prices for everything. Mm-hmm. And then when I moved downtown and I you got out? I would physically go to three different grocery oh. stores every Sunday. Yeah, which, you know, not the most effective, but I also didn't know anyone. I didn't really have anything else to do. So I was like, grocery store. <laughs> you <like female? laughs> it's an it's an it is It really is. You know, you know, you're like, yeah, exactly. Yes. All right. Part two, chapter one, challenging bias. Think back to the first time you hear, heard about a food truck being dirty, unkempt or unsanitary. Did you hear it from an actual person and had they inspected the food truck themselves? Um. Honestly, I haven't heard a ton about uh, I'm not going to lie. I haven't really heard a ton of like outside chatter about food trucks, not that I can consciously remember, but I've had the thoughts myself mm. but because of things that I feel like I observe, or making assumptions about like, oh my god, you just ch- you just rung me up, and then you didn't wash your hands before you to make my food, mm. even though that happens in all restaurants all the time, right so I'm probably, yeah, I probably wouldn't been to a higher standard, and it's something about being able to see somebody that like recognized them more mm. uh, yeah how about you that makes sense yeah I've, I have definitely heard like food trucks are like the dirtiest um, like kitchen items and I, it's always it's never from the a person that actually inspected them it's always like oh I know someone who inspected them and said that they were so dirty I don't need a food truck. Food trucks are really popular in Portland, and so some people would be like, "Oh, I know there's like disease and a rat infested, like, like are you back things. Everybody, you know, people—they're right. People, they're dramatic. you can move around. Everything, right? Around. Exactly. Um, definitely mm-hmm. right. Exactly. Yeah. Like, you know. So I, I just didn't trust it. And I think I just kind of, like, I, in Portland, most of the food trucks are not owned by white people. They are owned by, like, diverse groups of people. So I think there's definitely a racial bias that comes into it as well. Um, but I just got so used to eating at them and not getting sick. And so I was like, this has got to be just, like, a made-up thing that people just want to, like, squash food trucks with them. You know, so there's a stereotype that goes around about how food trucks are gross and dirty, even though it's not the truth. And like you were saying, like you can literally just see the person making your food. Exactly. Like, you know exactly what's happening back there, which exactly. <laughs> is nice. Right. right. Yeah, that's okay. That's interesting. I, I think you hit the nail on the head when it's probably like um, some tactic to undermine uh, food trucks because they are. I don't know the actual statistics, but I wouldn't um, be surprised if they are majority, like POC or just minority owned, because um, mm-hmm. there are that's a, a little bit easier to get into than an actual like brick and mortar, um, brick and mortar restaurant. Yeah, yeah, so, just- yeah, absolutely. Okay, question three: Recognizing access. How has your access to food changed throughout your lifetime? Have you made decisions to live close to a certain grocery store or farmer's market? Have you had access to a space to grow a personal or community garden? Um, access to food definitely changed um, at this point in my life because, number one, um, I think I have more agency. in where I mm-hmm. go to shop, because I have a car, and then what I want to buy. Have to buy it myself, mm-hmm. um, and then also just like proximity to different options. I think is a lot better because I think about at one point we actually did live beside as a child, and we would go. We actually didn't shop at the closest grocery store. Which was that I said, but you know it's not. not should, like, yeah, yeah. We actually didn't shop there much. We would like drive way farther and go. Um, mm-hmm. but that like you know you like we had to take other things into account like okay, if there gas in the car get by because because we're driving much further everybody can't go need to really like stockpile um, oh yeah yeah and so like now i don't have to think about stuff like that what i do have to think about is um uh, definitely price point and then also like at there was a point at the pandemic, especially um at the beginning where there was lots of rumors about um uh, the ports being shut down. And if the ports being mm. shut down, what does that mean about um food accessibility? And right. point, the, the the prices were going up and it was looking kinda of scary. Um I had to think about stuff like that being on an island, but um mm. are just like going pretty smooth have a lot of options. Um and oh yeah, there's lots of farmers markets all the time uh, in different towns. In town, they are expensive, uh, but mm. sometimes you can find like a nice, affordable one. But it's definitely you know locally grown produce with just, you know great quality. Um, at this point, I don't have space to grow a personal garden, which I really think I did. But I do have a um like those portable garden things. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have one of those actually in my house. I keep killing everything, so there's nothing in it, but like, so <laughs> yeah. But, um, there is access to a community garden where you can like uh rent like space. Um, and I was looking to it like right before the pandemic happened, and then the pandemic happened, they shut it down. I think they're back up, mm-hmm. I just haven't like looked at them, but um, definitely accessible. They have lots of. Places you can volunteer at, um, at like this community garden, so I can like learn how to grow food. So lots, lots and lots and lots of access. That's amazing. That's kind of, yeah, it's like an agricultural dream over there. Yeah. This great. Yeah. How about you? For me, yeah, for me, my. Access to food has definitely changed, very similar to your situation now that I'm you know living alone and I also have a vehicle and I can shop at a variety of places. I do I do have the privilege of, you know, being able to choose exactly what I wanna get and where I wanna shop. So I I do value that a lot. Um I have absolutely made decisions to live close to grocery stores just because I I have now know that having access to a grocery store you can walk to is just a great way of a life, just a benefit. i trying to think of what the word is. It's a, yeah, it's a resource that I, I really appreciate. Um, there are here in Germany, there are farmers markets regularly on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays and they're very accessible. They're either downtown, there's one that's maybe about a seven minute walk from my house that's really good. It is more expensive for sure. Um, but like you were saying, the quality is really good here as well. Um, I also, I do not have, I don't have a space to grow um, like an actual garden plot. I could do like a small patio type of garden. Uh, that I would have to build out on my little patio. So it's an option. I just haven't uh, looked into it as much. And I do remember looking into community gardens right before I moved here. Um, but I didn't take the research any further, but there are several community gardens kind of located on the outskirts of the city. Um, since it's just a, it's a really densely populated city, there aren't any super close to me. I think the closest would be like a, maybe a 15, 20 minute drive. So, it's definitely a possibility in the future. Okay. So, do you think, like, uh, that would be an avenue you consider to also, like, start to build community also? Like, if you join something like that? Do you think it would be harder? Because yeah The language barrier, or? Yeah, the language barrier. I always keep that in mind. Like I'm like, yeah, I want to do that, and then I like start researching it. and I'm having to translate all these websites, and I get disheartened, and I'm just like, ah, it's frustrating. Um, but I'm sure like it's a possibility. It's yeah, it's possible. And I also just need to take some German classes. Like that's on me at this point. I just need to make sure that I'm I'm in it. I'm learning. Yeah. 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 Which would help for sure. Help me, you know, meet people, gain more friends. Yeah, I'm I'm missing that piece. It's kind of kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, so you just have to give so you yourself like time, but um, mm. as long as you're like working too down. that's the key. Right. Yeah. Okay. Nice. yeah. okay. So last question in this chapter one series covers capitalism. So from the book, Derek considers this mobile delivery company to be a social enterprise instead of a capitalist endeavor. Should businesses be allowed to operate if they are explicitly, explicitly exclusive to certain wards or zones in a city? This is in reference to um, uh, the Uber delivery service and the, I think it's, it was Grubhub that only delivered to certain wards in the uh washington dc area mm. i think i think that piece you added was key because at first i was like yeah why not but when mm. you bring that part up i actually specifically was read that story about how um i think it was over each one of the food delivery companies that was uh discriminating against you know the black part of Tulsa. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course that registers as like wrong and discriminatory. So given that context, I'm gonna say no, this this shouldn't only exclusively be uh okay. I'm gonna say no, yeah. No, I don't think they should. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that. Yeah, because obviously, negative stereotypes helps maintain status quo. However, I am not gonna lie. Like, I know that people, like people, like this is not cool. But I'm going to say that I know delivery folks, basic delivery folks, get robbed when they're delivering. Like get robbed Mm. of food and, you know, whatever cash they may be carrying. I still have some internalized um, idea that that's going to happen more in a a black brown, impoverished neighborhood. It's not necessarily true. But it's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's in the case of the people, but I think it's the level of poverty the nation. Right. Yeah. I'm, right. I'm saying no. Yeah, they shouldn't be able to uh, the it. Okay. I think it's business to um, do what they need to do with different acts to all people, even like security or even the different ways. Yeah. How about you? Oh, wait. Yeah, yeah. Okay, how about you? What do you think? Only saying no, you're against them operating in separate zones, even if there is a uh, fear of people getting robbed, because it's not indicative of the people. Yeah. Yeah, I think the company should do whatever needs to be done. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, the responsibility back on them. Yeah, makes sense. Right. Yeah, for me, I I do agree. Um, They shouldn't be able to, they should not be able to pick and choose where they get to deliveries. I think the book makes a really good point on how, you know, this is access to food for a lot of people that don't have, you know, uh, restaurants and don't have grocery stores. So, you know, if they're providing a service, it should be operable in all areas, not just certain ones.
0: So Derek considers his mobile food delivery company to be a social enterprise instead of a capitalist endeavor. Do you think businesses should be allowed to operate if they are explicitly exclusive to certain wards or zones of a city? And this is referencing um, specifically Uber Eats, and um, companies like that were not delivering to certain wards of a major city, and they were mainly, they were predominantly black.
1: I. No. Especially major corporations. I can understand smaller businesses not as a mandate operating in certain wards or zones, but as a, uh, I guess due to like limited resources or, or even a particular area being their niche market, them operating in a certain space or just certain parameters, but A big company like an Uber Eats or uh, something like that, I don't think so, I think that it is a a new form of redlining or maybe an extension of redlining, although like, they're not putting the specific value literally on certain areas, they're figuratively uh, putting a certain low value on these certain areas by saying, we don't go into that area, therefore we don't more than likely, employ people from that area. These people are cut off from this opportunity. And then also just this luxury um that other people get to um tap into. So I don't, I think, I think, yeah, I think it just leads to too much discrimination and builds on the foundations of discrimination that are already set. How about you?
0: Yeah, I agree with you 100%. I don't think I could have said it better, actually. Mm. Yeah. It's- I especially agree, if you're a smaller company, you have the limitations, you may not be able to get to certain areas, but I think one of the benefits of mobile delivery is that you are mobile, that's the whole, um, you know, aspect of convenience, and so you should be able to get almost anywhere, and so to specifically say we're not delivering here is discriminatory, as you said. Mhm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And as you brought up it's like okay so based off what? Exactly. Like the demographic makeup and then the assumptions that come along with that.
2: Mhm. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: I do I do want to get your thoughts on uh the social enterprise versus capitalistic endeavor. Um yeah, cuz you mentioned how Derek considers his business What are your thoughts on that, I guess, overall? And then do you agree with Derek's positioning of saying that, well, I am a social enterprise?
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so my honest opinion, I don't think companies should be allowed to exist on a massive for-profit scale. I think there should be greater regulations. I think there's a limit of – revenue that can be made to allow you know company growth expansion opportunities for their employees and things of that nature but i think there's um and a lot of corporate com- um, a lot of larger corporations there's this push to just increase the revenue every quarter and that creates really unsustainable um working conditions and expectations uh-huh. Um, mm-hmm. and that just puts that responsibility on the the workers it increases the exploitation um and it's for me that's not sustainable. so I personally think that every single business should be a social enterprise, as in it's not mm-hmm. operating solely to make profit, it should be operating to provide a service or a good to the community and Um, You know, if it's successful, it's successful, but it doesn't have to keep growing out of control and become a massive conglomerate, which is what we Mm -hmm. see a lot of corporations doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And I believe Derek's business is a social enterprise because in the book specifically he says, you know, he's never in a position where he feels completely safe. And that's not to, um, like, I don't want him to not feel safe in owning the corporation, but it's, like, he's not sitting on large sums of money because he, he has his service for the community and his purpose is to serve the community. And I value and respect that versus mm. someone who has um, exploited the consumer and is just raking in money and taking all their employees on crazy trips to Hawaii and things like that. So
1: mm, yeah, to further I mean
0: not that Hawaii's yeah. bad or anything, but you know.
1: The Hawaii itself <laughs> is not bad at all. The exploitation
2: because Right. Of
1: colonialism is a ooh, that's a whoo Why well, I tell mm-hmm. you see this up close is wow. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. but no, yeah, I think you make some phenomenal points. I really like your idea of um, social enterprises being the requirement um, because I think it's it shifts the focus from uh, width or scope versus depth, and so because capitalism rewards like grow the fastest. Exp- do whatever you got to do to have the highest profits by any means necessary
0: and how mm-hmm. damaging
1: to to many factors of a life that is. Um, I think switching the requirement for it to be a social enterprise, I think we'll see a lot of positive benefits. Um, and it doesn't strip businesses from making a profit, but it just is like the profit at least – Most of it goes into reinvesting for the mission and the people and the quality of life and the world at large and not profit for profit's sake. So, yeah, I'm just going to echo you in saying, like, it would be dope if that was just even a requirement. Um, I did think it was super interesting that you brought up the safety thing um, because it's like essentially capital is about being able to uh, erect and enforce boundaries, or, and, or put boundaries and limitations on other people, um, so it's, it's about, like, that power, mm-hmm. so whenever you say that Derek, because he mentions that he doesn't feel, you know, he doesn't get to feel like he gets to rest on his laurels, and that he's super secure in his position, mm-hmm. um, I thought that was a phenomenal layer to add to um, the role that capital plays in, like, Power dynamics, um, and then just like social position.
0: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think we often, especially about reading this book, you we often frequently heard of you know um, either black store owners, black restaurant owners, just not having um, access to that capital, and just being put in positions where they are trying everything they can to be successful and. Mm-hmm. Operate their business and it just ultimately, um, just facing these barriers after barriers, just like you said. Yep,
2: yep, yep, yep. yep. Yeah, um,
1: the other part of the question says, Well, I think you kind of already answered it, I think we kind of already unpacked it about like what's the responsibility of capitalistic. Com- companies to address social issues
2: Mm.
1: and then how what are what are citizens roles in supporting and upholding social enterprises in their community um is there anything you want to add that you haven't already said to those questions
2: i would say um
0: i would say fostering fostering support is i i'm seen a lot of I don't know about you but like on social media there's uh like support small businesses support women old businesses buy black kind of these movements um I'm seeing on different social media platforms and I think those are really valuable because um I think it's like only two percent of all businesses are black so okay it's 2.2 percent um uh, black ownership for the employer businesses.
2: Got it. Got yeah. It. Wow, that's really low. Yeah. And so it's businesses and
0: firms with at least one paid employee. So like, I guess yeah. like people that just like have a business that it's just them, it doesn't factor into this.
1: Uh got it yeah I think I do think that black people in black neighborhoods have a social obligation because I think it's important for uh, every marginalized group to then not become exploiters and stand under the excuse of like well I'm from this group so my exploitation is oh is okay Mm -hmm. um So I think that we do have a responsibility to each other, Um, I think period, and businesses should live that out. I don't think, hmm, I, I do think that we have to contextualize the strivings of marginalized folks, so we cannot put this burden on you know, say this, say there's like a a Black-owned restaurant in a Black neighborhood, and they don't do lunch specials, because they're like, hey, I got to keep my profit margins at a certain level, Mm -hmm. so that, you know, we could stay alive, and every other restaurant in town does lunch specials, I don't think that it's fair to put the pressure on said Black restaurant, because in the context you know, this Black-owned restaurant may have not had the same access to capital um, in a modern-day sense, but also in a historical sense as other restaurants. So it's a kind of like trying to, like like starting with at the starting line with obstacles already in your way that somebody else doesn't have. So yes, responsibility yes, but also give everybody the I'm going to say the compassion of context, of giving context to a situation.
2: Yeah, I think that's very valuable. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. Today's discussion was based on the study guide we created for this podcast. The study guide is free, and if you would like access, the link is included in the show notes.
2: And then we should say like
0: bye, have a nice day or something like that. <laughs> like uh goodbye, you know?
2: Like
1: a
0: uh, so Yeah, yeah, know. yeah. Um, See? Ugh, we should be like, destroy
2: capitalism.
1: <laughs> <Have a good laughs> <day. I> <laughs> Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> do your part. Like divest from the carceral state. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Abolish prisons! Yes. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs>